Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry? Who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. Hello and welcome to She Makes Waves, a podcast designed for hairstylists. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and I cannot wait to dive in and learn from all of these amazing guests about what it's really like to be us and to be behind the chair while running your business. It's a very unique field that we're in and it doesn't always get talked about. So here's a little bit about me. I moved to Chicago 14 years ago to pursue my dream of being a colorist. I was always interested in this industry from the time I quit Dairy Queen at 15 to work at an Aveda salon. So I worked the desk there and I just loved the culture. I loved all the stylists and looking at the color swatches, which I now know is very annoying, but I would bring them to the colorists and the stylists and I'd say, I want this one in my hair, 7BV. And I realize now, which I would never show swatches, but um, I was so excited about hair and trying things. And I got a shout out to the Sanctuary Girls in Eden Prairie for having my back and letting me dream because I had to be one of the most annoying clients. I would be like, what if this time we do dark, dark brown with red streaks? Or it was the early 2000s and people were doing you know, dark underneath, blonde on top. And I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, I know what I want to do. I want to do blonde underneath and have my hair be dark on the top. And they humored me and I just, I will forever be grateful for those girls because it really made me feel creative. And I also am fortunate that I had a parent. My mom never made me feel like, you did what to your hair? It's orange. I played with so much, but uh, my point is that I fell in love with this industry and the people that did it and the relationships. I worked the desk and did confirmation calls and I would see how these clients interacted with their stylists and how they would fit into their schedules and do what it took to continue to see them. And I thought, I want to be them. And so when I moved to Chicago, I got a job at a salon that I dreamed of working at. And it was back when people had the internet, but no one had really cool websites and they had a website and it was nice, but not super updated. Um, and I was like, this is the coolest place ever. I just thought the, the, this look at the website, it's orange and neon green. And, and, uh, I just, I wanted to be a part of it. So I did what most people would do when I went to Chicago from Minneapolis for my interview I got there half an hour early, which I now also know is very annoying, but I was so pumped. I was like, I want to be these people. Look at that lady with a blazer on with an eagle on the back. I was, I was like, I will do what it takes. And the colorists all had like clips on their sleeves and fedora hats. And I thought, I just want to be like them. So that was my first job. And I worked there for six years as an assistant, colorist, educator, and then manager. So I had a ton of experiences there compiled with my experiences as a receptionist. And so it's been really cool um, to watch my journey evolve. And I used to be someone who would say, 
I don't get why stylists move around. Like I want to stay at one place and I was, I was kind of judgmental and it's taken me doing it like most things and outgrowing the roles that I was in or the fits that I was in or my needs just changing because that's what happens in life. I have done exactly what I was very judgmental of. But each part in each move that I've made has been an essential part of my journey. So uh, from my first salon, I went on to working at another salon in Chicago land area that was more of a boutique location. So four colorists instead of eight, one location instead of three. Um, And so with that being said, it was a nice place to land having left such a big environment And I worked there for almost two years and then proceeded to meet my future business partner. So uh, Risa, my partner who I had for four years, um, it was one of those things where for maybe seven years, people were like, you and Risa would love each other. And I would always say, yeah, she sounds really nice. Thank you. Thank you. That, yeah, someday. Yeah, cool. And I, you know, would come up from time to time and, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, you remind me of Risa. And so it's funny how sometimes the universe brings you what you didn't know you needed. So she ended up working at the salon, the boutique salon that I worked at, and we would ride the train together. And I hate to prove everyone right, but they were right. And that Risa and I did really click. And it was one of those things where like the universe waited until it was time to meet because we both had worked at the first salon um, overlapping and worked together a couple days. And I remember one thing we talked about was Grey's Anatomy. We're like, oh, I watched that show. Cool. Okay, cool. And so uh, when we started riding the train together to that salon, we would talk about, well, what if, what if we cut out a lot of the stuff in salons and what if we had our own studio? We knew people were doing it and there wasn't like a salon loft or a sola salon that was near us in our area. It would be just far enough away that we felt like we wouldn't be a good fit for that because we wanted to keep our clients and we actually shared a lot of clients because I'm a colorist and she's a stylist. So we were riding the train to work and, you know, we talked about like, what if we found this like cool studio and it was just us and we cut the middleman out and we cut the receptionist out and what, I think we could do this. Like, I think we could do this and we, our lives could get bigger along with our careers and we wouldn't have to sacrifice one for the other. And, uh, I remember thinking like, my sister's going to get married, life's going to happen. And it is hard to get a Saturday off in a, in, in a regular salon. So that was something that like the schedule was really something that inspired me and to, to think that this could be a really great option. So we had gone and I had looked at a salon that was renting a chair. I thought maybe I'm complicating this. Maybe I don't need to open my own place, but I need like a, you know, just like a, slot somewhere. So I said, Risa, will you come with me? I want to go look at the salon. And I told them if it's a cool place and we can both work there comfortably, like I might have a friend that would come. So we we went ahead and went and it was a very bizarre scene. You know, the stylist was a traditional salon, but then the stylist were there working and the person said, shh, 
be quiet. No one would know you were renting. Would you want to use our receptionist? And I thought, well, this is, this is getting weird. And I said, well, I was wondering more of what you guys are looking for because then from there I can decide if it, I believe it'll be a good fit for me. And then she went on to say, well, how much do you want to pay? And I said, well, I'd also feel more comfortable if you told me what you were looking for and I could see if it made sense for me. So we left there and Risa said, well, you definitely can't work there. That was bizarre. And we were driving from there and we drove the way we had came and there was this new apartment building with these live workspaces. And Risa said, well, have you ever considered like, look at these spaces? So we stopped, put our head in the window. I had never even heard of a live workspace where you have a studio on the first floor and then the second floor was meant and intended to be a sleep area so uh, you could live there and work, which we were like, well, you know, maybe we could inquire with them. Like maybe they would be open to us. So we, we set up a time to meet with them. They were totally open to having a salon studio in, in these spaces and we would use the upstairs as a break room. So that was one of those things where it's like we knocked on enough doors that it seems like this was what was supposed to be. And then from there, it just evolved and we were able to open the comb, which was our hair studio for four years. And it, we had the time of our lives. We learned how to run a business together and just the ins and outs and the hard stuff and the client relations things that you didn't necessarily deal with when you worked for someone, honoring your hours, boundaries, pricing, all of those things. And we got to do it alongside one another, which was a very empowering experience. And some of my favorite memories are at the end of a day, just sitting in our business chairs, which were salon shampoo bowls. And we would just be like, holy shit, can you believe what happened today earlier? And that will forever be just some of my favorite memories. But four years into it, uh, we had decided that we were ready to not be partners anymore. And uh, it was very difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. But on the other side of it, I'm sitting a year out from moving into my own studio called Lin May Studio. And then Risa has Razel Studio. And we are literally around the corner from one another. I moved and I found a space that better suited me. And the space we were in was really a better fit for Risa. So my studio is 600 square feet and it's all in one floor and it's tucked away along a little brick wall and a glass door and it's right off of a main street but if you didn't know that it was there you wouldn't see it which has always been something I've dreamed of. I say that I manifested this studio for my dreams and I really believe that I did. Uh, more on that later. But, um, and then the studio we were in before that Risa's in is, uh, got the main floor, which is about 500 square feet. And then the upstairs, which is her work studio, uh, for building things is, uh, 450 square feet. So when we thought about what made sense and, you know, it was that she used, utilized the upstairs space and I never really did. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about, the little pivots and the things I've learned in the last five years of being my own studio salon owner 
as well as what I've learned in the industry over the past 14 years of doing every job there is. And I'm really excited about talking with other stylists about what success and what growing looks like and not always in a traditional sense. So for me, I don't want to have a huge salon. And for other stylists that don't necessarily want that either, but aren't looking to be stagnant in their growth, I work with an assistant who I'm training along with having her assist me on a daily basis. And then when she's ready, she will go off on her own and have her own clientele at Lynn May Studio. And from there, I feel like it's kind of fluid. You know, I don't want to have a salon with a receptionist and open seven days a week. Right now, Lynn May Studio is open four days a week. And I love that. So I think success is like some things you see on the outside, but I'm really interested in talking to different stylists about what they're doing on the outside and what it's doing on the inside. Because I think that if you're doing something that looks cool on the outside and you don't always know how it feels for people, you're missing the point. So the re- I've always heard, don't copy someone because you don't know their why. That's a Nina Kovner, Passion Squared, and a Simon Sinek, I believe. Um, start with why, but it's true because for me, there's been times in my career where I've not taken new clients. I've said no new clients. And I've seen people in the area that have done that around the time that I have. And I've thought to myself, gosh, I hope that they're doing that for a specific reason. Because I'm, I, if they're copying what I'm doing and they don't know why I'm doing it, then they're, they're missing the whole point of you know, doing what's right for them and staying in their lane, which is why I think this podcast is going to be so cool because we can stay in our own lanes and collaboratively learn from one another. And I've always loved with social media being able to look up different studios and salons and, you know, I'm kind of more into, and that's what my guests are going to reflect this. I'm more into seeing what other independent stylists running their own businesses are up to because I think that there's a lot happening. So I feel like just seeing like someone who says like, I want to be able to travel once a month. So this is how my schedule is set up. And you might just look at their schedule and be like, wow, that's a kick-ass schedule. Or you might be like, that's a terrible schedule. But is it terrible to them? Because if they're living their best life, then, then it's awesome. So I think learning from other people about what's working for them and finding what works for you is just really key for having your own business. Because I can tell you the first four years of having my own business, I don't feel like I really had a life. So I think that you there is a trade-off in building your clientele and all of that stuff. But once you've got that steady clientele built, then it's like, okay, let's let's finesse this. Let's niche it down. Let's do what works for us. Like you shouldn't have to do things you hate every day. Yeah, there's gonna be parts of your job that are better than the others, but if something like gives you a pit in your stomach, you gotta you gotta find a way to eliminate that or change your attitude towards it. And so I can't wait to bring people on to share with you some of the tips and tricks that they have and things that work and what don't what doesn't work. So thank you so much for joining me.